I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome back to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom Bionic. And we're back for another week of shows. Yeah, it's and a, Monday. And another fantastic interview that needs to start very, very quickly. Yes. Uh, this week we have Guy Malone, who is the host of the radio show Live from Roswell, uh, also known as the Alien Stranger and the originator of the Alien Resistance Headquarters mm-hmm. and one amazing guy. Yeah. A guy who's uh, had a big impact on my life the last couple of years. Of course, we get into that at the interview. Yeah. So we probably need well, to get onto it. Yeah, let's just get right into it. Here is uh, Guy Malone. And we'll have much to say about it when we come right back to Future Quake. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Future Quake show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom Bionic. And we have a guest today and for this week who we have waited some time to corral. Yeah. Uh, he is talking about people who are behind the scenes manipulating things. You know, we often talk about... like his, on the Council on Foreign Relations or something? Higher, much higher than this. <laughs> uh, when we look for the people who are really the guys instrumental behind the scenes and even in front of the scenes, uh, we're usually looking at uh, bad dudes. But this time we have someone... He's a, he's a good guy. Who Yes, and who has... Um, created so many things that we are being blessed with on the Future Quake show mm-hmm. uh, and elsewhere. Uh, and that person I'm talking about is Guy Malone, mm-hmm. who is uh, – he has many hats, uh, formerly known as the Alien Stranger, known by millions, uh, and currently the host of the Live from Roswell radio program. And uh, today we're going to talk about a wide range of things, his activities and also uh, evidence of contacts from beyond Earth and the future agendas. So, Guy, very light topics as usual. Very yeah. light topics like we normally cover. Yeah. Guy, I just want to tell you, it is a great pleasure to finally have you officially on the Future yeah, Quake program. Yeah, thanks for being on here. Oh, I'm glad we finally got to do it. It's great to reconnect with Nashville in some way, even if it's just on your program today, too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's right. Well, you, as, your, as the favorite son of Nashville... I'm sure everybody's thrilled in our audience, our local uh, radio listenership here. You know, as, as I've told you before, and I've also uh, told our radio listeners in the past, in the uh, almost four years that we've uh, aired Future Quake Show, uh, that the conference that you put together, the Ancient of Days conference, and, and particularly the 2005 edition that I went to Roswell, New Mexico, your, your current That's when you town. were here. That's right. Mm-hmm. The, the one that I went at had such a pronounced lifetime impact on me and my worldview, and it, its repercussions are still being felt in me, and I'm sure I'm not alone in the people who've been to those uh, cataclysmic conferences that you put together. Wow. Um, we have that and so many other things we want to discuss uh, in our interview uh, today, uh, and we have very little time. So to just get things going real quickly, can you tell uh, my fellow Futurians out there, uh, along with Tom and I, uh, a little bit about your background and your upbringing, including your Nashville connection for our local listeners, and how it led to your, your current interest today? 
Well, yeah, definitely. I appreciate the kind words too on the conferences because it's it's very rewarding to hear that from someone because you don't you can't hear enough of that. A lot of the work here in Roswell, kind of um, opposing the alien agenda. You mm. know, when you live among people that are making money from it, it's, it's not always rewarding. And yeah. not everyone's glad to see you when you bump into them at Walmart or anywhere sure. like that. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, t- tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you, you've had an interesting journey getting where you are today. What's a little bit about your background? Yeah, you, you pegged it, or you were correct, in that I did grow up in the Nashville area, graduated from high school in Herm, in Hermitage, Tennessee, DuPont High, mm-hmm. and I guess I had a pretty normal upbringing, except that it seemed I had a few unique uh, experiences in childhood, sort of supernatural in nature, which I'm sure you'll want to get into in just a minute. Um, our house was... Uh, without a strict religious uh, foundation, and I had more than a few lost years wondering um, before becoming a Christian. I was uh, pretty involved or in studying the occult and astrology, stuff that we'd call New Age today, and why I had such interests in those things wasn't really apparent um, unless it tied to the uh, childhood experiences with, uh, we'll say, supernatural visitors for now. Mm-hmm. But it's not like there was an internet uh, when I grew up in the 80s um, that I was getting a lot of my information or interests from. It just I knew that I always had a very strong interest in the occult and the paranormal. Wow. And uh, it was uh, several years in, into my 20s when I finally got saved. And I guess that I, that's the best segue of saying, you know, that's when things started to turn around from me, for okay. me. Okay. All right. So, so what led you to that path and that and that direction and the ramifications of it? Well, like I said, I've just been studying anything supernatural or uh, you know semi occult related. I even wore crystals, walked around as a kind of card carrying New Ager when I was around twenty, twenty one, twenty two, and all that stuff. But I, I had these experiences in childhood that had to deal very similar to what we would call the alien abduction phenomena today, mm-hmm. and. Those were just like a, a lot of half-remembered dreams and visions and stuff that I began to deal with in my 20s that made me uh, know that, you know, there's no way I can have this enormous amount of memories and images in my head unless something really profound had happened to me when I was young. And I started uh, writing about it, put mm-hmm. it online back mm-hmm. in the early 90s as a journal type, you know, that's the the book, the testimony, the one that got away that's online. No, no, this didn't and, this didn't come back just from like uh, counseling or therapy or hypnosis or whatever. How how did this start to make itself real to you personally and became so real that you knew something it must have happened? You know, a lot of people have this similar experience. The the book that was published in the late eighties by uh, Whitley Strieber's Communion. Communion. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> the entity on the cover that that was you know then it was a New York Times bestseller uh, telling his um, experiences uh, with alien visitation and back then it was said that his book took this uh, experience out of the pages of the tabloids and made it into something believable to people actually believed he was telling the truth about his experiences underwent hypnosis and uh, just from reading his book it seemed to trigger all kinds of memories uh, for me as well. And many, I won't say millions, but many people have said that, too, that that book was a big impetus for him. And Mm -hmm. uh, part of the horror of his experience was that I uh, related to was he had a lot of intense childhood experiences with visitors, but they also uh, began happening again in his adult years. And that created for me a real sense of wanting to get to the bottom of it. 
finding out, you know, do I, is this really my destiny? Am I going to be an alien abductee? Are my wife and kids, if I ever have them mm-hmm. one day, going to be subject to this kind of torment? And it got me really dealing with uh, the fact that I was an experiencer and what to do about it, you know. And at some point, I remember I had a, a couple Christian friends that were witnessing to me, sharing the gospel with me from time to time. And I just happened to ask one of them, um, well, what do you think about the UFO experience? And he sort of paused, you know, that dramatic pause where I'm thinking, whatever this guy's doing, he's making sure he's trying to hear from God or make sure he doesn't say the wrong thing. So right. it's obviously important to me. And he told me, well, I, I think it's demonic, actually. Uh, and with the conversation kind of trailed off. But I'd have to say that <laughs> stuck with me more than anything else. There was a guy that I was really liking and trusting mm-hmm. and, you know, an experience that belonged to me. I'd, I'd made it my own. But uh, for him, for a Christian to just say it's demonic, that kind of threw me for a loop. Not not so much one of denial. Mm-hmm. I finally began searching, uh, I guess, looking for God in the right places finally. Mm-hmm. And after I got saved and began processing my experiences, you know, through um, understanding of the New Testament, spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6.12, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities in high places, uh, I was able to finally realize that it looks like, if nothing else, I've been in league with demons or fallen angels for much of my life, and all I knew was I'd made a choice to follow the Lord, and I didn't want this to ex- experience to continue. Wow. No. What what kind of manifestations had it made in your life that just confirmed to you that this was going on? Did it have other effect in your relationships with other people or other sense of dread or other difficulty sleeping, anything else like that that confirmed this to you, that this is what was going on? I'm not sure that it had a large effect on my waking, you know, public mm-hmm. personality yeah. other than I, I do remember the stereotypical stuff we, I think, associate with alien abduction of just the uh, the visions of creatures in my house with the big black eyes. I remember once uh, I was telling my grandmother about this horrible dream. She lived with us then about being held down by these large cats with big eyes that were trying to eat me. And, you know, that was uh, tormenting in itself. Mm-hmm. There's another experience that seemed like a large praying mantis. This was in the daytime in my front yard when I was about probably eight years old. He just sat with there, and we had a long conversation where he was teaching me different things that I can't, like, quote or remember now. It's just, it, it's a very odd memory for a child to have of this mm-hmm. praying mantis-looking being, taller than you, having a long conversation with you during the daytime in your front yard. And while I knew that I didn't really care for the entities, I think by that time I was just used to them being there, and yeah. I didn't consider it that dreadful. But I what I was uh, getting at is it seems like all the interaction I had with these entities when I was young led me on a trail of really studying and seeking out spirituality, God, in the occult, and okay. in the new age. All right. Hmm. Uh, and I don't want to dwell on this because I really want to focus on what you've done with your life since then, since you began to suspect what was really behind all this. But um, did you have some others who, you know, someone just told you about this this demonic potential of this of these events going on? Somebody else who who knew you really well that studied you and diagnosed you and said, sure enough, there's something going on in your life like this. Did you have people like that in your life? Not that I knew of. If okay. if I did, they were Christians who were praying for me. Okay. Perhaps. 
weren't really uh, talking to me from that angle. It's because I kept a, a really big secret, honestly, mm. throughout most of my early 20s, early to late 20s. Um, I knew that I didn't like the experience. I shared the experience or what I believed about myself a couple of times when I was, you know, in relationships or friendships. Right. And I found that it had a real damaging effect on sure. those relationships. Yeah. Sure. That, hey, did I ever tell you about my alien abduction experience <laughs> or the way they took me and did this to me? Mm-hmm. You know, people tend to want to distance themselves from those types of friends. And after, honestly, after experiencing that a couple of times, I just knew this was taboo and I'm not ever going to speak of it again. I might one day get to the bottom of it. I might have to deal with it again. But I, after I became a Christian, um, I was always, like, as a hobby, studying it um, right. in the scriptures and trying to figure out exactly what was going on, what was the answer to it. And I found a, a ton having to do with just the New Testament uh, descriptions of angels and demons who come and bring false gospels um, who are exist only to torment people and who uh, lead you down a path away from Christ and away from God. And I mm-hmm. knew eventually from the messages, the teachings, that that's what I had dealt with. And uh, now, the you, thing you that finally... You still in Nashville during all this going on? Yeah, I, okay. I was until oh. uh, the late 90s. Oh. But, but you were doing this on your own. I assume you didn't have a whole lot of uh, books or references or other things that had pre-processed what was going I, on that you used. I even just, looked. Yeah. I looked, and I could, in the 90s especially, I could not find anything in the Christian bookstores dealing with UFOs. And I, as I saw that this really was a demonic experience, I knew many other people were claiming alien abduction just from reading uh, Omni magazine, mm-hmm. things like that when I was younger, and that it was you know, making its way into movies and television back then mm-hmm. with the Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters movie, things like that, right. that this was really happening to people. And if their experience was going to be anything like mine, um, I considered myself as one of the very few, if not the only one, that got away from the occult influence um, when I was saved. And I had a burden to just write my stories out and to give a New Testament analysis of what was going on. And I put it online while I still lived in Nashville. That was the first website, wow. the Come hmm. Sail Away book. Sort of like a coming out, coming out party almost in a, in a way. <laughs> yes, that was it. Yeah. 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 I, that's when I finally came out of the closet right. started the website um, detailing my experiences. And really it was, it was meant intentionally to reach other people like me that perhaps were suffering in silence but who also were as far away from God as you could possibly get by following the influence of these beings and give them a New Testament evangelistic message and a view of what they were going through. But as far and as I, you I know, you were, you, were, you were a trailblazer, though, in this, as far as you knew. As far as Yeah, uh, I looked for others like me, and yeah. they, they were hard to find. <laughs> okay. And, but you struck a nerve uh, with people. Yeah, that first website got so much um, hmm. hate mail and good positive email. <laughs> you know, a lot of people were mad at me for bringing... Um, my religious junk into the serious science of ufology, while others were mad about me bringing this UFO junk into um, Christian religious beliefs. And then there was probably a wide swath of people who were happy with you because it really helped them, I would imagine, right? Or no? Yeah, that was, that's the most rewarding email to receive yeah. when I started getting things like that, um, that saying, I've thought things like this, but I never saw it spelled out before as mm-hmm. I did on your website. I got good links early on. Ten years ago, it was easy to like a link from the RL webpage. 
and went from 20 hits a day maybe to 600 hits overnight. Oh, wow. So the people who were most affected by this were finding it on the Internet, and mm. they were, I'm sure many rejected it. But um, You know what's ironic? None of that has changed. None of that has changed as far as the three camps. You're still getting the same complaints, the same praise, only it's just larger groups of each of those three people. It's just a large number of people that fall into the three camps of what you're doing. Although I think you've yeah. converted a number over your way in time, but that is an innate response that the public has to the message that you bring. Yeah, if you're really into UFO or alien type kind of thing, you, it was the same thing I experienced when that guy told me it was demonic. You don't want some Bible thumper coming along and raining on your parade, mm-hmm. proving to you <laughs> that it's demonic. Uh, this guy just suggested it to me that that was his opinion and it had its impact. But to actually write a web page and to have a long Bible study and uh, the scriptures that make the case for this being um, not an extraterrestrial, you know, people make UFOs almost into a religion of themselves, aside oh, from UFO totally, cults. Totally. Right. Well, um, you you also did another uh, publication, too. Uh, I believe it was called The One That Got Away. Is that correct? Yeah, there's two contained within the one website. Oh, the okay. website was, right. The book was Come Sail Away. Um, Is that, that website still Testament. up by chance? Oh, yes. CQ1.com. Yeah. Cool. Okay. That's my longest-running website. Uh, several hundred hits a day last time I've checked it. Now, is that still uh, also, is, was that ever published, either of these, in print form? Yeah, I self-published a thousand copies, and that really gets into the whole moving to Roswell thing. Okay. Is uh, when I was ready, once I was out of the closet, so to speak, and, you know, friends and family had had their chance to, if not read it, hear about it, mm-hmm. um, I started getting this little bug. I found myself researching Roswell on the Internet more and more and not ever imagining I'd move here. But I uh, had kind of the support of the pastor and the church I was attending. Uh, My pastor believed also that this UFO alien thing was somehow demonic in nature. He had put some study into it himself, which is very rare even Mm -hmm. still. And when I had a hard copy, in 99, I self-published through a a company there in Nashville and moved to Roswell to set up a booth at the UFO Festival Mm -hmm. in 1999. Mm. with hard copies of this book. Now, uh, is that pastor still active in Nashville in this area now and supportive of it? Actually, not in Nashville, no. Okay. He has moved since then. Okay. Yeah, the church has kind of gone into two or three different churches as sure. well. Sure, I understand. They sold the building. <laughs> okay. All right, but you still had that key support at just the right... Uh, a pastor was sensitive enough to something very unique that at just the right time they were ready to minister to you. And yes, and good. he wrote me a great cover letter <laughs> okay. for churches... Um, well, which now, did not go over well once I got into Roswell. <laughs> well, you 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 must have been uh, uh, the unwanted guest in the punch bowl. I'm thinking when you went to the yeah. uh, to the first UFO conference, and they see some guy mentioning something about uh, God or Jesus in the UFO world. How, how did they initially treat you when you first started showing up this information? Uh, they would take two steps in the other direction, walk around. <laughs> um, I was just really <laughs> off by myself with no plan or no clue. I had a box of books, and I sat at my table at the UFO Festival and uh, gave away, handed out free flyers with the Internet site where people could read it for free online. Mm-hmm. For those that wouldn't talk to me, here's a little flyer. And um, the, the, the funny thing was I, I thought that um, the churches, you know, the Christian community in Roswell, mm-hmm. would actually be glad to see a Christian coming um, to 
you know, from a real church with a cover letter, a published book, to deal with this phenomenon from a biblical perspective. Since you know the town of Roswell, what else is it known for? Right. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, it turns out that the the whole UFO alien merchandising is so entrenched and so embedded here in Roswell that while I found a good church to attend, who eventually was supportive uh, when I opened the storefront, um, as a topic of conversation or endorsement, there wasn't, I couldn't get a peep out of any church I would visit or give a free copy of the book to or talk to, because so many people are making money here. You know, you've got a lot of your tithers in your church selling the T-shirts, selling the stuff. Interesting. I found the church just completely afraid to deal with it. That's kind of a form of idolatry then. Wow. What a that's cloud. What a yeah. cloud over place. I mean, that's, that'd be like going into, like, I, I visited some uh, Baptist churches in Las Vegas when I almost moved there a little over 10 years ago. And it'd be like going in there and telling them something about, you know, you shouldn't be involved with gambling when a lot of the Sunday school teachers were working in casinos. Uh, yeah, wow. full-time jobs. Wow. wow. The perfect analogy I finally found, because I asked, well, do the churches here support you? And if the answer to that question is no, people would think, well, either there's something wrong with them, and I didn't want to diss them, or there must be something wrong with me and my teachings. Yeah, right. And that's why the churches aren't endorsing. I finally figured out the best analogy would be like, if you got this odd calling to move to the North Pole, uh, where everybody in town makes money uh, dressing up as elves and selling pictures of the people, of tourists, kids with Santa Claus, and there's reindeer everywhere, and, you know, people... You know, the the Baptist church deacons are making money from their side business, <laughs> and then you show up there and you open up something uh, in the heart of downtown with a big sign that says Jesus is the reason for the season. You know, they're 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 going to appreciate and get what you're doing, but if you're there to put down Santa Claus and turn people to, towards Jesus, you're you're killing their economy. <laughs> You know, if you're successful. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's how I was received originally in route. In fact, the UFO Museum here, um, I wanted to get my book placed there for all the tourists who were coming. They wouldn't even carry the book because it dealt with religion, was what they said, which mm-hmm. I could almost accept that. But then, uh, you know, within a week, I'm navigating my way around the town newly, and I find the big Christian bookstore on Main Street, and they refused to carry the book because it dealt with UFOs. Wow. Well, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> you know, yeah. th- this just seems to me like uh, it's like being a missionary going out to the far reaches of Africa to a for- completely foreign culture, except there are already churches there that are already rejecting the message that you have. Hmm. Uh, it's just it's absolutely amazing uh, the, the fortitude you had and in hindsight what God was using for you. If you could have only imagined what was going to come out of all this. Uh, oh. in, in how it defines your life, you know, mm-hmm. in, in background. Um, could uh, could we move on from there? Here you are now at this yeah. stage. I guess you found probably found something to do to generate a little income. You're um, you're, you're trying this. You're getting door slams everywhere. You're unwanted by the by the Christian community and the non-Christian community. You've upset the apple cart. Uh, everybody's sort of got a handshake agreement together, making big money making hay while the sun shines, and then here you come in with this message. What happened over time to turn the corner? How did you really establish a foothold in a beachhead uh, toward, well, you know, without, more toward what you did today? Without knowing I would do this when I moved, but since every door I tried um, was closed, no store would carry my book, um, got the odd idea to open my own storefront. <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, I, um, 
before really getting into that is we put together a website with some people I knew from the internet, Pastor Chris Ward in Florida and Joe Jordan, whom you've had on the program. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, Chris and I had biblical studies showing that this is fallen angels, not extraterrestrials, and Joe was uh, successfully ministering with people, stopping the abduction phenomena in the name of Jesus Christ, just through deliverance and mm-hmm. teaching them what they were really dealing with wasn't aliens. Now, when was, was this? When was this about? I put the website together, joining the three of us for the first time in 1999. Wow, that's still some time ago. Okay. Yeah, we, and uh, it was alienresistance.org, and it still is, <laughs> alienresistance.org, which combined all three of our teachings. And But since I could not find any venue or market for my um, uh, book to reach the people that I felt that was my job to do, um, I wound up with uh, the help of uh, being under Chris's 501c3, uh, opening a storefront here in Roswell, nonprofit that I would uh, work in my spare time when I wasn't working. And I found out eventually that there were many other books from different Christians in the field who weren't having much more success than I. And I had a, a bookstore going for several years that offered biblical perspectives on UFOs and abductions. And just having that, like you said, beachhead storefront thing with a sign, you know, facing down the UFO museum said uh, the, the scripture, every knee shall bow, you know, whether in heaven, on earth, <laughs> under the earth. Did you um, have the alien you know, head with the bar across it at that time? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The UFO museum had to look at that directly across the street from them oh, for about man. three years. <laughs> <laughs> all of the all yeah. of the tourists here. You have what fifty thousand or so tourists every year for the UFO festival, and they're looking <laughs> and they're confronted with you. You know, standing there. We 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 have one member in the kingdom of God sitting up there with with a few friends, and you're holding that beachfront right there in the center of wow. darkness in the enemy's camp. Right. <laughs> And what I found from uh, running the storefront is the tourists themselves, like the 95 percentile and up, they actually weren't what I considered my target audience. My target audience was people who had been already persuaded into occult doctrines and New Age religions by either experiences or an interest in alien entities and things like that. Because mm-hmm. the message they bring is so anti-gospel and so anti-Christ. Mm-hmm. They talk about how aliens uh, tweaked human DNA to create man on Earth, that everything you read about in the Bible is really a UFO experience, like the whole uh, cloud by day, fire by night. That was a UFO that the Israelites followed, that the reason Elijah ascended into heaven, that he was on a UFO, that Jesus was uh, actually the product of artificial insemination. Mary wasn't overshadowed mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit. She was abducted and impregnated by aliens, and, and Jesus it, was a hybrid. And this has all gone from New Age books to now it's on the History Channel, Discovery Channel, right. even shows that are being produced by uh, mainstream, the main networks. So now this has all become sort of the standard uh, culture. Hmm. Yeah, and but in Roswell, as far as the tourists that come, Turns out a lot of them are just families who are vacationing. They're traveling from one point to the other, and they pull over in Roswell to get some pictures and get some laughs. But they weren't heavily indoctrinated by these programs, books or cults or anything. So um, I started uh, a part of the outreach we were doing, other than having a storefront in Roswell, was going to UFO conferences around the country, setting up a table, doing exactly what I was doing there in Roswell, 
with books and flyers with Christian and biblical perspectives. So you went on, on the, the offensive. You weren't just holding a beachhead yeah. <laughs> in that store. You weren't you weren't going to leave these people alone. You were going to be in their face yeah. <laughs> in a nice way no matter what. Yeah, and I wound up showing up at their conferences. And there's like pretty close to a dozen of them around the country. Uh, again, with my little table with some books and information on how this is a spiritual phenomenon, how you know, the people that are fascinated by because that's what I realized, that's my target audience, the people who are traveling to attend a UFO conference, they have a real felt need in many cases. They want to know what's going on. And mm-hmm. I, I was not as, um, I was welcomed uh, in a way I didn't expect because I found as long as you're calm and you just present your piece of the puzzle, the people that are traveling to the events, maybe not the ones that are holding them or speaking at them, but the ones that are traveling, they really, really want to know the truth for some reason. Whether they've had an experience or an abduction, a sighting or something they can't explain, or just a strong bent towards philosophy and religion. And the UFO question has put some kinks in their, their notions about man's place in the universe. They just wanted to know. And as long as you were there calmly and giving them information, they were usually pretty appreciative. They, they, they I, I couldn't find it anywhere find else. That. They couldn't find that information anywhere else. I'm assuming. Yeah, I would. I would say that their their heart's cry was to know God, and um, they were looking through many avenues of spirituality. Someone was there representing the gospel, both in Roswell and at the conferences. And you know, you have people that don't like that sort of thing, of course, wherever you go. Sure. But you know, you're you're in it for the one, not for the ninety nine. Well, that's a good reminder to us because yeah. uh, I, I have to confess to to you and the listeners that sometimes I get a little uh, frustrated, even though I, I get wonderful emails, Tom and I do, of encouragement and people saying how their show's changing their we lives. We don't see anybody, it, you know. You know, you know sometimes when uh, you're doing things like this and you're going against the stream of the, the mainstream people with all the money and the resources and everything, um, you, you get discouraged easy when when you know except for yeah. the wonderful emails you don't get a lot of feedback. Yeah. But then I think about somebody like you, who blazed the trail way before we did and all this yeah. kind of stuff, mostly alone, and then just one or two of you, not always getting the feedback. And and the fact is you're there for the remnant of people, who can be reached and who can have deliverance, even if it was just a handful of people. And that's just a real encouragement for Tom and I, to see how you've been faithful to the calling that the Lord's given you. Very and, well, you know I've. I've almost bailed on it more than once. Yeah. <laughs> it really is that discouraging. Sure. It really yeah. can't be that discouraging from time to time. The opposition and the hate mail and the the looks and the get out of town and things yeah. like that. Well, that the thing is, want to throw at you. you're not hanging out in a, in a great big... You know, in the right in the center of all the involvement of some mega church, telling them all the kind of things they like yeah. to hear. You know, just only talking about the issues that care to them and the stuff you're that they like the, to be. You you're know, establishing and a beachhead with where your, nobody else yeah, went. You with know? your personality, I mean, you could definitely, you know, be extremely popular if you wanted to go with the with the rest of the trout, go that direction. However, you're going in the area where nobody is working the field. And it's lonely, and sometimes a lot of the heat you get, we find, are from people that are people of faith, as well as people mm-hmm. that aren't. Sometimes they have valid right. criticisms for us, but a lot of times it's just that, uh, you know, you stepped out of line, buddy, with uh, the stream of things. And, you know, hopefully we can all encourage each other uh, and know that, you know, those are the kind of places where Jesus is hanging out. 
Jesus wasn't going where uh, all all the mainstream religious movement was going. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was ahead in other areas, and he was hanging out with other people that were unpopular with him. But also, he was with people that people of the mainstream church or whoever the religious people at the time were would reject. You know, he hung out with the tax collectors and the quote centers and all this other kind of stuff. And in their own way, the people that you related to were people who would not be welcome in a church. Let's face it. But but you were basically the the minister that God sent to them, and you're almost a de facto chaplain uh, for that community, whether you see it or not, uh, and you've borne a lot of fruit from it. So you you, you went to this stage where you're going to these conferences. How did things continue to grow in in your presence there, and how it more fully defined the character of what your your ministry grew into? Well, I found that a lot of people they didn't always like the message, but uh, something kind you said personality-wise. You know, I, I don't usually act that hysterically, <laughs> or, you know, and um, well, I do sometimes. But. I don't know. I've seen your business card, <laughs> but, I mean, but you're a, yeah. you're a, you're a fun yeah. guy to be around. You're an enjoyable, even if somebody uh, wasn't ready yet to buy all the Christian stuff, and hopefully they will. The fact is, you are somebody that is enjoyable, fun, intelligent. And, and it's just a real hoot to be around, and and people don't give enough credit for that in the way that the Lord can use you know people like that. You you, you want to be somebody who's who's joyful and and someone who uh, people desire to be with, so they can see the light of Christ in you. Well, thanks. And I found that even the people that didn't like the message I brought, uh, eventually I just became part of the uh, conference landscape, and I guess people thought that the messenger himself wasn't that bad. They knew what I was there for. I'm preaching the gospel. But, you know, I wasn't, you know, overturning their tables or anything. That's right. extreme. Yeah. And when I was saying that, the, it seemed like the conferences were our target audience. The people who are going to spend money and travel to go to conferences is really the ones who are most entrenched or most curious right. and therefore likely to become entrenched. Um, as you know, eventually... Uh, just talking with a few people that are on the fringe as well, involved in this field, you know, we popped up with, hey, why don't we hold our own conference? Because these other UFO conferences, they're not inviting Christian speakers. Well, well, before we get into that, Guy, let me ask you about this character of the alien stranger. Did the alien stranger predate the conference, I believe? Uh, Probably hand-in-hand. They both came around uh, close to the same time. Okay. And the the, the website, Alien Stranger, Dot com came actually before the little character I was running around as first um, because I would write a new website or have something else to say and it um, I'd have to change my business card so often to update the new um, website like for instance I've got a whole website dedicated to the Roswell UFO crash mm-hmm. it's roswellufocrash.com which um, purports a man-made view of the incident. And that didn't go over well here in Roswell. It was yeah. not the yeah. Chamber of Commerce. But on Google, it's the number one match for Roswell UFO crash. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, so that that created a, a, a bit of disdain that uh, a message like, oh, uh, it, it's really man-made, it's Nazi UFOs, maybe human experimentation, and here's the documentation, that um, it was getting that kind of attention from uh People that are selling something, they don't really need that out there. But I have the domain RoswellUFOFestival.com, and I kept creating new websites okay. simply mm-hmm. to put together. So I put them all on one website finally, so I could have one business card with one URL, mm-hmm. and that was AlienStranger.com. 
Now, was this the one with the classic business card? You had a lot of different embodiments facially in your little motif, but it's it's my favorite all-time business card I have of the millions I have. And and I think you had something like look like a ski mask on with your glasses yeah. up, sunglasses upside down, so it looked like a gray. And, and I've never seen anybody with their face in a ski mask on a business card. And it says uh, something to the effect of alien stranger, author, lecturer, troublemaker. And yeah, I, and that's based on a true story. And I thought nothing <laughs> ever described your personality better than that definition right there. And that, to me, just embodied your personality as whole. If people go to your websites and they and they go look at some of this information, you always, um, while you talk about very, very serious things and you don't try to water it down, this is something that you have in common with the Future Quake show. I guess there's very few of us. Mm-hmm. In fact, there may only be two of us that really goes, that, that you almost have to keep a little sense of irony and, and keep a little bit of yeah. levity in it, or people just get, you know, suicidal and stuff and get real down on it's the mouth. It's easy to get dark about this stuff. And, and yeah, actually, people mm. people on the outside find it more appealing uh, is when you can sort of keep your head about everything. Because you, you know, like we, is that we're going to win this battle overall. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, victory has been assured. The question is, how much territory uh, in serving the Lord can we help as far as souls that can uh, can hear and can be brought over to yeah. the winning side? Yeah. And so, you know, we have right to be joyous about what we do. But your personality adds so much. It attracts me. It wants me to go read your website just to see, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a few snickers or things like that or your personality comes out. We get compliments on that in Future Quake, that the fact when we do our review of the news, we're able to keep a little tongue-in-cheek. Uh, you know, see irony even in the darkest of things that we talk about, and you can still be a Christian and be that way. So I didn't yeah, mean to joy is what. Yeah, joy is important. It's what you said. And That's, security, that joy, more people, and be mm-hmm. secure. Be secure in who you are. Uh, you don't. You don't have to. You know, th- these topics are so intense of their very nature. You almost have to give a little relief valve for them while you're sharing it, or, or, or just people get wigged out. And, and I'm sure you've had to talk to people like we have to tell people yeah. to, you know, uh, catch your breath. You know, it's going to be all right. We're going to get through all this together. Uh, and uh, so I've I just found that very, very effective in what you've done. And it's just been a very attractive part of how you put your personality into your ministry. Uh, but anyway, you know, I think you missed the whole makeup phase, didn't you? <laughs> well, the the, wow. sil- the silver paint, the silver paint phase. Oh, I've seen Great. pictures. Yeah, I'm gonna. Have, I'll get you a copy of that business card if I still have any. But I, I evolved from just a ski mask and sunglasses because that's kind of hot. <laughs> right. <laughs> the mask of the gray colored ski mask and the upside down sunglasses to uh, shaving my head entirely, which wasn't a great loss, I assure you. <laughs> but, but uh, and then, you know, occasionally, just to get some attention or stand on the street corner, be painted gray with the uh, more custom sunglasses on. Right. And, of course, everybody that visits Roswell wants a picture of that guy. Well, you were like... But you it was a good opportunity to give out business cards. Right, and it was like the um, Where's Waldo? People would look at UFO conferences to see the head of the alien stranger. Pop into the frame every place, but, but the thing is, is that yeah. you were you were making yourself an institution in that community of people, so then that gave you access to people to share your message. And if people could yeah. learn, people could learn. You know, I would rather see somebody like a guy Malone than I would a Rick Warren to teach fellow evangelicals how to reach out to the world and make a difference. Uh, I respect how you've done it. Even though you, you, in hindsight, you may have said you just, you know, sort of staggered along from one idea to the next and see what worked or whatever. But the fact is, is that I believe my book that it worked. 
and what you did, a lot of Christians never would have understood you every step of the way what you did, mm-hmm. but what but what you did worked. Just like uh, in the Calvary Chapel movement, you know, when they started reaching out to Jesus people and the hippies and things and doing stuff, you know, a lot of churches thought they were absolutely crazy, but they reached a bunch of people and and the blessing extended from there. And I, I think in its own way, that's what you that's what you have done. Is that you? You you, you use the gifts that uh, that God gave you, your imagination, your creativity, to take a very unique group of people and take a unique approach, like Paul says, you know, to the barbarian, your barbarians or Greeks to the Greeks, Mm -hmm. but to ufologists, you were alien stranger. One of them. That's the gospel in in a nutshell. He became one of us. Hmm. And so, in your 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 own unique way, you got to be entrenched. So, how how did things go from there? Oh boy! From there, uh, I think I guess we're the next phase of after having a storefront and going to conferences and seeing that that's where the target audience was. Was people going to conferences? We got together with some of the people you've had on the program, like Joe Jordan, Mike Kaiser, and began doing our own um, off to the side um, conferences here in Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, first one was with um, all Christian speakers. And then there was another big one in 2004, before you came up here, that was mm-hmm. a four-day event that had um, non-Christian or secular, as well as Christian speakers interacting together. Now, is this and, when this became to be defined as the Ancient of Days conferences, right there in 2003? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. uh, first of all, that's not the whole name, the legendary Ancient of Days conferences. Yeah, you can't leave that part out. That's right. You, sh- you should add uh, that. You're, you're too modest because... Uh, uh, I can't compare anything to them, to be honest with you. Well, thank you. And you know wow. what it did, what you said about becoming sort of an institution? Somehow or other, in the first few years of going up and setting up Christian tables, uh, one positive impact those conferences had within the UFO community was I sort of went from being that guy with the aliens or demons table, mm-hmm. you know, the, so you should avoid it, um, to being that guy who puts on those really great conferences in Roswell. <laughs> oh, well, uh, that's and, cool. But you had to pay your dues with the other stuff. Sure, sure. It, but it, I, I, lo- I like seeing the way that having these conferences really started to turn the field of ufology. We had I heard so many times just people walking through the halls or someone would come up to me and say they overheard someone saying, wow, I never considered the biblical point of view before this conference. I didn't think the Bible had anything to do with this, or I thought all Christians were nuts and, you know, unloving, judgmental, and now that I've heard some of these guys out on what they're saying, it's actually starting to make sense to me. Oh, well, praise the Lord on that one. Well, you know, again, just let me say, I I didn't know everything that was going on back in those, those early days, but from what I saw in perspective, the kind of unique people you put together, there was nothing like that where you brought a rat pack of folks who were all in their own way, exploring these kind of things, their own little stuff, a little small group, and you start pulling together and basically creating a community of people that was just starting to grow together through the Internet and things like that, and you basically almost gave them a sort of a Vatican-type uh, central location <laughs> that became nice. a de facto. Maybe Woodstock would be a better term for that. Woodstock, much better. Yeah. A, a, a home for people that are like-minded, were ostracized in their own, own areas to come, and, and there's basically a subculture that, that's growing uh, within the evangelical field. Uh, and uh, well, you know, I don't want to steal your thunder. I I, I could go on because there's so so much I saw going on uh, when I was there. So so how did things grow from there? 2004 was a very critical year for you, was it not? 
uh, with some of the people who showed up, people like uh, Richard Hoagland, uh, who dropped yeah, in. Yeah, uh, and Richard Dolan, John Greenwald. Richard Hoagland was at 2003, in fact, part of our panel discussion. Now, now let me, um, for people of our listeners, we have a lot of folk yeah. here that are, who are Lifeway workers or work for the uh, Southern Baptist Convention or listen to this show, may not even know anything about these people we talk about. If you stay up late at night and listen to Coast to Coast, Richard Hoagland is probably the number one guest on Coast to Coast on frequency and, and request. Uh, big cheese runs around in big circles, and he just shows yeah, up at your conference. Yeah, he walked in because we had some good talent. Uh, he had been in communication with two of our speakers, David Flynn for his work on the Sidonia Mars books, mm-hmm. and Mike Kaiser, you know, PhD. And he had had a good email relationship with these guys, even though Richard Hoagland's not a Christian. Like he's more along right. the lines of well, his. his background is science, but he was the big proponent of the face on Mars theory right. uh, when that came out from the Viking satellites, right. uh, the, those images, and uh, he was a science advisor for Walter Cronkite during the Apollo moon landings, but he himself was really a big proponent of ETs are here and the government is keeping it a secret, and this changes hmm. everything we know about religion, because man, if man is not alone in the universe, you know, then the Bible just isn't uh, needed anymore, almost. I don't know if that's an exact quote from him, but, you know, attitudes like that are prevalent within the UFO community. Right. But just because of their their excellent work and talent, um, the people he had an email relationship with, uh, Mike and Dave, he did show up, like you said, at our panel discussion just because he wanted the chance to interact with these uh, biblical scholars that had agreed to come to Roswell. Interesting. And he brought up his own following, so we got to impact them as well. And and no other Christians, to my opinion, were having any kind of impact whatsoever on what those very influential people were doing, except this ragtag group of folk like yourselves. I mean, you got David Flynn, who, who, by the way, has just been on our show. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, he's a big name right now. There's a new book out. Uh, but you have a group of people who have had such a huge impact in the world, and I think it's just even beginning. Uh, but but you had those people under one roof uh, doing it, and you know there's the only Christian witness. The only people that show up representing the Bible side to the table are you. And, and the fact is, because you put the effort into it, obviously it's catching the attention of extremely influential people, and word got out about that, right? Sure. True. Um, you, you mentioned uh, off-air earlier about my involvement with the 2007 festival to where, you know, beforehand, Guy Malone was practically a dirty word in Roswell yeah. um, from all sides, is that uh, the competence of putting together these major conferences with major speakers and drawing, uh, you know, more than a few tourists to Roswell, it, I think it finally got the attention when the city was ready to start um, directing events for the 60th annual UFO festival last year, 2007, um, just because I was good at putting together conferences, regardless of what I was saying, they uh, invited me onto this, the mayor's UFO festival committee, and they had me select all the conference speakers oh, um, that the mm-hmm. city was going to have that year. And that was a big one. That was the, the most tourists we've seen in, in 10 years. Uh, all the hotels were sold out a month in advance, several nights in a row. And the uh, it's sort of like the David or, or Joseph kind of thing of being involved, or Daniel, <laughs> yeah. or being involved right there in the heart of the, the mm-hmm. what the city's doing or the politics. Daniel and Joseph and both. I, yeah, good analogies, yeah. Yeah, and I, I got to 
continue now that the city is ready to put together some speakers. Um, I picked the best in the field, secular ones. I, I My biggest role was to keep the new age ones out um, to where people wouldn't be indoctrinated with um, those mm-hmm. types of doctrines. And then brought in, you know, uh, four or five Christian speakers to give lectures as well for the tourists who were coming, who were looking for serious information on this. I knew the biblical perspective had to be in the mix for them. So we had a big convention center full of, um, you know, tourists and speakers and people hawking their books and things like that. Mm-hmm. But well-placed and scattered about were also several mm-hmm. Christians. And I figured, get four or five Christians in there, and that's enough room for God to move. You are You are fighting a battle that... The rest, you know, it's like what we talk about. Uh, you hear it in the Cold War while soldiers are over in some godforsaken part of ground fighting over some hill mm-hmm. while the rest of America sleeps and sleeps secure that night. The rest of the church is off in their, their little things. And then here you are in these areas like this contending for the a, faith. Some guy with a ski mask and upside-down glasses. <laughs> who, yeah. who, is, who is Jesus' right-hand man, you know, yeah. contending for the for the faith there. If you can give me just a, a, a little brief uh, time or, or second to just mention my experience at the 2005 conference. I saw some names listed, and I wish I could go back because I could almost look at my worldview in two phases, the, the pre-Ancient of Days 2005 Mike Bennett and the, the post uh, in that pre-time, I um, I basically saw the world through a certain way. I had just seen a few things, a few random uh, websites of uh, Peter Goodgame, of uh, like Red Moon Rising, of uh, I think the Watcher website David Flynn bumped into, but very, very little I knew. I just heard something, a book with Patrick Heron. Uh, but then all of a sudden I see these names and they're all at one place. And I thought, man, this is a place I gotta yeah. go. Roswell, what a cool place out in the middle of the desert, great history. Uh, took a good buddy with me. We went out there. All of it you can see at archive.futurequake.com, all the photos from it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went out there, I had no idea to be prepared. First of all, I could feel something in the air. When I went there, there was a different atmosphere. Uh, these were things that I was curious about. One or two other people I might run across were interested in just started the radio show uh on another station here uh but just curious about it but it was no place that was really a good safe place where it was free to talk about these topics i go into to your conference that you're running and and meet the most amazing people but but what, what the thing that i i caught the most was that not only were they talking about things out of the bible that everybody else skipped over in the bible they just very quickly went by but there was an atmosphere of the holy spirit at work I actually mm-hmm. saw God's Spirit moving people's lives. I saw it move between some of your staff and people that were visiting them. I saw it working when people that were on the New Age side of things came over and debated Joe Jordan and the other the other pastors after that. I saw God's hand work there. I, I saw a big move happen, and the, the person with me who I considered a, a, a mature Christian friend with me had felt the same thing. And we were just shocked to see God moving in some area that was being ignored by the rest of the church. And like I said, things were never really the same for me. Uh, I recognized that this was the, the, the kind of people that I, that I belonged to and that I wanted to be a part of, where, where God was doing his own things through people like yourself and contending away from the mainstream of where everybody was going. And I felt like we're even being more faithful to the biblical record and being more honest and actually a group of people that was more prepared for the challenges that tomorrow holds in our society than the mainstream Christian folk. Jeez, Mike. 
Uh, although you're missing is like they carried the ark in and the Shekinah glory came down. And well, it, that may have happened too, but that may have been like down the list on some of the good things. But there, there were um, so many positive things that had changed my Moses psyche actually and walked view. through the, the front door. I mean, yeah, yeah, that would have been probably third best thing if that happened. But um, I just want people to understand that there are people who who they don't know, people who walk a little different way, go to a different group of people, minister to them. Um, that God is there doing their thing. And what we see when we watch TV, we see everyone talking about the UFO issue, everyone's addressing, now the Catholic Church is addressing and all this stuff. But you were already there. You were addressing it there when it wasn't cool. And now God is building up your effectiveness in ministry. And I just want to tell you, it's a privilege for me to know you and to be on the periphery of what it is. And there probably still wouldn't be a future quake on the air today. Uh, had it not been for for what you did there, one wow. because a lot of your guests have made their ways through here regularly, yeah. but two, it just gave me that shot in the arm to know that we were doing something important, and so I, oh, I guess for awesome. for better or for worse, we're sort of part of the legacy of what you did there, and uh, I want to encourage everybody to uh, go support you. You you have DVDs of all of all these things that you've uh, the conference that you've right. done. You've been very good to archive it to have it available, so it still ministers to people. Uh, unfortunately, some of the, the, the biggest treasuries in my entire library were my DVDs from the 2005 conference that I, that I, that I bought there and have treasured, shown to everybody here. We've, we've watched it and debated the, the talks. Somehow, I don't know if I've misplaced them in the last couple of months because I was using them for a research topic for my United Nations uh, speech that I did, gave. Yeah, and, uh, I look forward to seeing that one live. Either somebody else picked them up or whatever, so I need to go back and pick some more of the 2005 up, and, and uh, I, I have some from some of the other years. Uh, everybody, and we'll, we'll make sure that's clear at the end of our uh, interview here, you need to get the DVDs. You need to get them and watch them. They're a great uh, thing to just sit on your couch and watch or bring some friends over if you've had dinner and watch. Uh, it's a ministry. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Have you had a lot of people pick up those DVDs from the Ancient of Days conferences since you started holding them? Yeah, almost daily. Uh, they're, they're still online, like you said. And uh, they they really do get shipped globally, worldwide. We ship to uh, as many countries as we do states. Sometimes it feels like. Uh, I think the big hook I've got going, other than the the topics themselves are fascinating, is that uh, it's set on a name your own price donations basis. Oh, interesting. Sometimes people, yeah. Sometimes people really take advantage of that and you know give a buck or two <laughs> to get you know several DVDs, and then we have people that turn around and. Uh, give fifty dollars for one, and it balanced out. That was mm-hmm. a struggle figuring out how to do that. You know, I wanted to get the information out, but I didn't have the financial means to just start burning copies and giving them away willy nilly mm-hmm. in the street. Mm-hmm. But by putting them online with that odd offer, name your own price, donations basis, and ask for whichever DVDs you're interested in on what topics. Uh, I, I think in our normal secular surfing the web and buying stuff mindset we don't quite know how to process that (laughs) or what to do well i don't want to give up a whole lot of money because i'm a bargain shopper but i don't want to rip these guys off either Hmm. and i think it just allows a moment for a person to interact with the holy spirit right to find out whether they really want these Is, is this something they want you know, whatever they give. Well, we had someone give a penny recently online, and nice. uh, not that I encourage that, <laughs> but uh, 
and asked for a six DVD set, and we we shipped them. Yeah. But it's it's thankfully there's plenty of other people that turn around and give you know ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty, or a hundred dollars. You know the cool thing but, is is that your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and mm-hmm. if you if you are going about it being faithful with your talents and you're getting that stuff out there, and it's changing people's heart and soul and mind, it behooves the Lord to invest in you, to to keep what you're doing out there and going. So that's the one thing yeah. you can rest in, as long as you want to be be faithful in being a shrewd manager of what you have, of uh, the the information and the purposes of your master. Uh, we know he's he's shrewd enough himself that he's going to keep the support there to a level that he thinks appropriate, and uh, he's also going to, uh, you know, he has his own collection agencies with people too. Uh, if people aren't doing what they need to do with folks. I, l- let me just quickly mention, just so people have an understanding, uh, the, the, the kind of people, the one I went to had, uh, speaking, Dr. Michael Heiser, David Flynn, Norm Franz, Patrick Heron from uh, uh, the Nephilim and the Pyramid of the Apocalypse book, um, uh, had uh, Stan Deo speak. I'm trying to think whoever else I'm missing. Uh, there were uh, no, Bill Sneplin. Bill Sne- oh, yeah. Oh, How could he feel uh, Bill Sneplin? <laughs> uh, uh, had, him, had him speak there as well, too. And, I mean, what an incredible panel of people. And had panel sessions. We had debates with people who came from the uh, New Age side of the UFO Festival, uh, <laughs> challenging the pastors there and spiritual warfare going right in front of our very eyes. Uh, we got to hear the, the shofar blasted and, and dedication and worship of the Lord Jesus. Uh, right there in front of everyone. You even went out to the this this gang, what I consider again the Rat Pack in Christian ufology. Uh, and Joe Jordan also, let me remember uh, him speaking as well too. Uh, went out to the site of the Roswell crash, and you guys prayed, anointed the land, and and, and uh, rededicated the land back to Jesus Christ. And uh, I just I, I, w- I was just so moved to see people doing these kind of things. Um, it was like real Christianity. It was almost like the first time I ever read a book on Bible prophecy, and suddenly uh, the the Bible and Christianity became alive to me. Like, well, gee, it's really happening here today. I had another experience like that when I was at was at the conference you were at. And so since then, what what is a taste of some of the topics? If people want to get DVDs of prior events, what are the kind of topics they could look up and and find talks on? I think some of the most popular stuff is um, Mike and Dave, Mike on Genesis 6 and the Nephilim, the hybridization that goes on uh, or that was going on in the uh, Genesis 6 pre-flood world and the talk I have on the book of Enoch, how um, that's not so much canon, but it's referenced in the New Testament and Mm -hmm. how, how the fallen angels' activities in the past relates to today, because a very important cornerstone of what we've always taught is something that uh, Pastor Chris says, is that there's nothing new under the sun. What has been will be again. If you think this UFO or abductee or type phenomena is something new for the 20th century, uh, you're wrong, because the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. It's all going to be done again. It's it's been done before. And people can get a glimpse at what's coming. down the pike, I think, spiritually or prophetically speaking, when, just as your own talk, when these spirit beings interact with mankind and they bring new doctrines, new teachings. Hmm. So that Genesis 6 talk um, has a lot to do with it. Um, David's stuff about Earth and Heaven, the Sidonia region of Mars and the parallels to the uh, ancient structures on Earth, that's very deep, fascinating stuff as well that, that people 
really get into, I think. And I, if there's any fault with all of what we've done so far, it's something I, I've realized, and actually I think I'm segueing <laughs> into what, what's coming, is that a lot of this stuff, like you said, there was for community of people like you who were into this and were looking for information, who were studying you. Maybe mm-hmm. you've read Chuck Missler's book. Maybe you know the term Nephilim already. Maybe you already believe that UFOs are going to explain away the rapture somehow or something like that. People that have thought those things before, they found a lot of um, comfort and a lot of edification from the DVDs we have. But if there's any fault with what we've done is that there's still plenty of um, the church out there that has never thought twice about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And therefore, some of the DVDs and the topics we're dealing with are actually uh, over their head, as a bad example, but well beyond the reach of their interest or even their knowledge base of stuff. You know, we we were taking a group of people who studied this, and then have very advanced questions, and then bringing in the right people to answer those questions for them. You're pushing um, the frontiers, basically, and that's why you had these these researchers that were actually using each other, which is something very different you'll see from mm-hmm. the conventional pr- prophecy community. I go to other prophecy conferences, and they all seem to have a jealousy toward each other. They, they rest on their laurels. Their uh, Twenty yeah. years ago, they, this is the last time they contributed anything. All they're there to hawk books and and, and have snag comments to each other. Whereas what happens is your group, you've got researchers who are learning real time, and I I think it's a last day's other. effect. Yeah. yeah, and they're 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 using the expertise on ancient languages of Dr. Heiser, or some of the crypto archaeology skills of somebody like David Flynn, or or they're using other you know expertise of different people on on, on the team, uh, the occult knowledge of uh, William Schnoblin or whatever, a completely different atmosphere of working together. But you were right. They're pushing the cutting edge. And you're saying for the average person out here, uh, they're just overwhelmed by this, and it requires a certain level of uh, base biblical knowledge. And I think that's what you've been good at. You've had one-on-one type uh, DVDs and things like that, and you're focusing on trying to reach a larger masses. You've already reached the people who are really uh, thirsting for this information are pursuing it. Right. You're trying to make it to a larger community, so it has a larger impact to the church as a whole. Yeah, I think the future of uh, like the next conference we do is, the, the, I'd say, the, the now that the New Age and now that the lost have been reached with biblical answers on the UFO phenomena through our sites and conferences, and then that little portion within the church, like you said, that was already asking these questions, I would have to say that as far as knowing the biblical truth to what's going on with the UFO or alien phenomena, especially the messages, especially the spiritual warfare, the largest unreached people group is the church. Oh, yeah. Because most of them are not asking these type of questions. So we're kind of boiling it down to uh, come up with something that will actually very simply show them, without going into Genesis 6 or Enoch or Rapture Mm -hmm. or any of the debatable doctrines that a lot of people just don't want to hear about or they they disagree strongly with Mm -hmm. on one basis or another, is that this this, this alien phenomena is a spiritual phenomena. It is not extraterrestrial. And we need the church to realize that so that they'll be empowered Mm -hmm. to do uh, to, an, in effect, what we've been doing, and that's minister mm-hmm. to other people in their own communities who are lost and yep. who are looking to these things for answers. And, and some people sitting in their – right. Some, sometimes people sitting in their own pews who, who feel like this because it, the first thing beyond it saying whether it's spiritual or extraterrestrial, they first have to believe it's real. 
that these are all not figments yes. of imagination, mm-hmm. regardless of what, who they figure, you know, what the origin of it is. It's that it is a real phenomenon that occurs. The majority of the public has already figured that out. That the, the leadership within the church is sort of bringing up the rear and acknowledging what the people who are sitting in the pews have already known. Either they already have a you know understanding of looking on the data and understand that, or they they have been oppressed in some way by it. Whether they've had an abduction experience themselves, which we know it's much wider spread when we look at the hard data than what we'd like to believe it is. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Guy, but I just want to make that point. Is that I, I know that step one for you is first of all let them acknowledge that it is a reality. And then secondly, that the Bible has an answer. Uh, we're not clueless. Yeah, all, heaven, of our, yeah. all the polls, CNN, USA Today, Roper, you know, it, it's upward of three-quarters to 90% on some of these polls that actually believe um, UFOs are real or that aliens are visiting the earth. And the church hasn't yet found a way to incorporate that belief system. And I'm saying that's a belief system that people have, even if they're in your church. You know, they're up Saturday night watching History Channel or Discovery, being convinced that UFOs are real, and then they're showing up Sunday morning wondering, well, what's the relevance of the church if all this stuff is really going on? And I'm, I'm afraid that we're having a, a deceiving the elect kind of phenomenon going on, is that many church-going people are set up for a massive spiritual deception. The more real this stuff becomes, the more headlines about UFOs that appear, whether it's the uh, the Stevensville, Texas sighting recently, the Denver airport, ABC just did a special on it. People are being convinced that this stuff is real, and I think there's sort of a one-two punch coming of, you know, a hundred years ago, we were, uh, the church was kind of just blindsided uh, by the topic of evolution, mm-hmm. and I don't think the church has totally recovered from that, regained their footing scientifically. There's a lot of wonderful works on creationism that have countered it, but I still think most of the church believes in evolution. What's happening next is that the the entities, the UFO phenomena, is representing a new global type of religion, mm-hmm. saying that um, really mankind is about to join the galactic brotherhood. Right. You just need to shed off these ancient religious traditions of yours, realize that Jesus was one of us. Your Bible's huh. true. Yeah. You just need to reinterpret it a little differently and realize that all that stuff was UFOs. And there's a huge portion of the church that is going to fall for it. Right. And we need to be able to help the church realize there is a spiritual agenda and there is a lot of deception involved in this spiritual phenomenon that you call aliens. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's extraterrestrial life visiting the planet. There's definitely stuff going on, but my a catchphrase I use often is that the Bible has the answer. Jesus is the answer. Right. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. Well, I want to go back to that in our conclusion as we get to the last segment of our, our interview here. But I, I want to just take just a quick step back up to where we are looking forward. There, there was another recent event that uh, made the news big time, and, and, and the, the reverberations of it are still going back and forth around the world right now from something uh, that you observed uh, there in Roswell this summer. Uh, what I find interesting, uh, we didn't mention this before, and this is classic Guy Malone. Um, if you go back and look at your websites about if you've grown in your your presence, and now you've almost sort of become a de facto favorite son, because I know in Roswell, because I know you were key in really helping to uh, basically re-strengthen a festival that. Uh, needed management and needed help sorely, and they almost came back to you basically just uh, pleading for some help and trying to reinvigorate what was going on. So it's just funny how God makes things like that 
work. But uh, I know there's a picture on your website, by the way, I thought people might get a kick out of when they go look you up, that actually shows the uh, Chamber of Commerce of Roswell right there at your ribbon cutting of your uh, Alien Resistance headquarters. Isn't that right? Yeah, that was in 2000 when Joe Jordan and Chris Ward were up here. Yeah. And it's not because they wanted to be, but I paid my $100 to join the Chamber of Commerce, <laughs> so they had to come out. Like nice. Required. Nice. You know, that's classic. Guys. All of a sudden, I just love yeah, that. All of a sudden, they're asking you to help a couple years later. That's you great. Guys, you know, the city fathers of Roswell having to represent, there's a an alien with a bar head to it, you know, saying every niche about above, and they're right there celebrating the ribbon cutting for it. And, God, that's just part of what it's fascinating to see what the Lord's doing in your life. As things came up to this past summer, um, you were involved in a larger way yeah. over the whole festival. And I understand, is it somewhere like 50,000 people or so that come to these kind of things? Is that right, at the whole festival? That's the best numbers we had for the 2007 event, and that was a 60th anniversary. Anything okay. ending in a zero or a five, it gets a lot of free media attention from all sure. over the world. They actually mm-hmm. come. This last year, the 61st, um, rode that way very well. CBS News Early Show was here to okay. broadcast live. We had a lot of other reporters and live broadcasts. In fact, on my uh, the domain RoswellUFOFestival.com, I've got a lot of YouTube videos of people that were here, along with photographs from the event. Mm-hmm. But hmm. um, 50,000, I think, would be high to say that okay. that happens year in, year out. Okay. But it's in, the, it's in the double digits. Okay, so lots of people. And, and uh, there's lots of stuff you were responsible for making a success, a lot of different facets. There's a million things to do there while you're there. Uh, it's a, Roswell is a really neat town. I mean, it's it's not really a small, small town, but it's not a big city. It's just, to me, just about right. And it's right. out in the middle of the desert. Um, and, but anyway, one of the big auditoriums had a talk uh, that Joe Jordan was involved with uh, mm-hmm. that involved um, – well, a bunch of key speakers in ufology talked, a bunch of well-known names. But then Joe Jordan uh, and I believe uh, Pastor Rafino, I believe, was there. Uh, but a, yeah. yeah, not a pastor. But okay. Dave Rufino, a co-presenter with Joe. Co-presenter. Uh, spoke about uh, their research uh, coming up with the what they think is a, a clear demonic connection to the abduction event. And, uh, and that the deliverance that was possible through the name of Jesus Christ. We, we, we uh, ran his interview um, on our show recently here, and we got a lot of positive stuff from people yeah. who were not interested in UFOs. They really enjoyed They it. were skeptical yeah. of everything until they heard. Right. They could hear the Lord working through this ministry, and it completely changed their whole perspective of things. Um, but anyway, it created a big scene there. Uh, and a lot of the, the New Age type folks were offended that somebody would bring religion in the middle of all this, even though he showed strong data and was very careful in presenting his information by what I observed on DVD. Um, they were very offended that somebody was getting in their territory, which is sort of sort of old hat for you. I think you've been there in that <laughs> camp for a while. Yeah. But but evidently there's still talk going on about that. What What kind of impact did that whole event have, and what do you think it will be in the long haul? Well, it got people that, like you said, were not looking at the biblical or Christian side of this to have to incorporate it into their worldview finally. Uh, like you said, some of the speakers or bigger names were able to actually sit through and listen to Joe's presentation, which is usually very well laid out. He doesn't start with a religious axe to grind. He wasn't a Christian when he got into this, but the research of finding abduction stopped in Jesus' name 
uh, was a big part in him even becoming a Christian. So he didn't come in trying to tr- prove anything biblically. It's just that the, the, the truth sold him on what was really going on. So they had to hear that testimony first. Mm-hmm. Right. Basically, I'm one of you coming from your research perspective. And uh, it just got dropped as a big um, Christian or religious bomb in that they had to deal with this phenomena might not be extraterrestrial. We have to account for the fact that there is a spiritual phenomena. And even some of the worst things that's being said is, you know, as they're trying to process this is, well, maybe there's two things going on. Maybe there's really extraterrestrials um, who are doing some abducting and mm-hmm. things like that. And then maybe there's fallen angels or demons who are doing it also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, so the, the push hasn't been quite made mm-hmm. to actually sell all of those listeners on the point of view we're talking about, especially right. that Joe was presenting, but they're having to incorporate it into their worldview more than I think they bothered to. Because Joe has mm-hmm. spoken as you know at these same conferences right. I've had for years. The DVDs have been going out, but they've been able to marginalize or mm-hmm. ignore his message. I guess you know what he brings, and this is the first time I think uh, because, um, as you said, I was very involved in the 2007 festival, but that. Uh, summer, I also met a certain young lady, and as you know, took a wife. And I did the biblical. Yeah, right. I'm taking, <laughs> I'm taking a year off. <laughs> now you didn't. You make it sound like yeah. you, you know, like grabbed her with a bag or something. Yeah, this was not like the the benign <laughs> no, Elohim. She grabbed me with the bag. You were not like the benign Elohim, right? I mean, yeah. if no, any, no, no, no. If anything, you were the strange flesh, not vice versa, right? Yeah. Great. Nice nice analogy. Rather rather than remain involved with what the city was doing for 2008, um, I thought I made a good splash. I did my job for 2007. I just told them, I'm doing the typical take a year off thing um, as a newlywed. Mm -hmm. And all the things that you witnessed or that you've said about 2008 and Joe organizing the conference, um, that I I was a witness to that. Mm -hmm. I was on the outside of it. And I got to see someone else do and kind of take the yeah. hits that I've been doing. But he took it a lot more square in the jaw than I think I had as well. Yeah. yeah. But, Guy, the, you know, the connection all comes back. No matter what other people might say or how they might spin it their own way or whatever this that, it still finds a root back in you. None of this stuff would have happened had it not been for you. And you're not done yet because yet another right. manifestation you have that's a whole other dimension to you, is your show live from Roswell, correct? Your radio show? Yeah, that's been going on for not quite two years, but well over a year and a half. It's an amazing opportunity. Um, I kind of wanted to do an interview program, but, you know, you know the kind of work that goes into it, and I am not that much of a techie. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And I was trying to find out how to broadcast on Live 365 or something, and mm-hmm. they just said, all I wanted to do was pick up my telephone and, and be on the air and interview friends and uh, interesting people in the field. Well, someone finally approached me, offering me that on a large paranormal radio network. Again, my target audience of the people who are seeking this stuff, who are already entrenched or who are influenced um, by a lot of, we'll just say, New Age or occult doctrines, mm-hmm. and people who are fascinated and heavily into the UFO things. So... Um, he approached me. We have a program that broadcasts globally on the Internet. It's live from Roswell.com, and it's FM in New Orleans as well, where the producer lives. Wow. And I literally pick up my phone, and he calls someone else, and we have an interview program. And sometimes it's Christian people, sometimes it's not. Uh-huh. 
but it reaches a pretty big audience as far as people that are just for the first time getting exposed to this kind of stuff. Well, give us a hint. How, and, how big you estimate your audience is? Um, it's over 50,000 weekly that are listening live wow. at the moment to the program. That's They're amazing. Live yeah, that's computers. great. Yeah. Praise the Lord. And wow. then it gets archived and downloaded throughout the week. Uh, we know there's other um, iTunes and little pirate radio stations to pick it up. And even if I'm not having a Christian topic or a Christian mm-hmm. speaker, or if I'm not really pushing my stuff, I just, you know, since it's, I always say that um, the program is sponsored by Alien Resistance HQ, Biblical Perspectives on UFOs and Abductions, give out the URL, alienresistance.org. Look for DVDs available on a name your own price donations basis with conferences recorded here in sunny Roswell, New Mexico. But I always get that plug in <laughs> people. You know, even if that's not the topic of the program, I sort of break for a commercial and, and, and get the plug in to where I don't know if it's the same 50,000 people that were listening last week or not, but there's always someone new that's going to hear that URL for the first sure. time and mm-hmm. have the opportunity sure. yeah. to look at this from sure. a, a sound biblical perspective. And the thing is, even if they disagree with you, they love you. They, they love you, how you do your show, who you are, uh, even if they're not ready to buy everything. The day may come when they do, but the people just love who you are and, and want to listen to what you have to say. It's the place to hang out. Can you tell my our, our listeners here at Future Quake how to uh, to catch your show? What's the easiest way for them to do that? Yeah, you can catch it all starting at the website, alienstranger.com, which gives you a, a list of like half a dozen or so websites that I run. Mm-hmm. The, the program is livefromroswell.com, and you can listen to the archives of uh, several past weeks of shows. If you can't participate on Saturday nights live, you can uh, call in or email, and, and we handle questions from the audiences. But you can listen to those archives. And okay. some of them are really big, important uh, guests. Some mm-hmm. of them are... As cranky as you or me, or unknown as you or I are, but um, it, it's a good mix. And what time on Saturdays is the show on? It is um, seven. I'm sorry, it is uh, my time, Mountain Time. It is nine p.m. to eleven, so that would be ending at midnight, mm-hmm. ten to midnight, your time yeah, on Central Saturday time. night. Mm-hmm. At, yes, on Central, live from Roswell. Dot com And I did add a new catchphrase to my most recent program. I always say from Sunny Roswell, New Mexico. But I added a new Roswell, New Mexico, the official birthplace of the vast right-wing conspiracy. (laughs) 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 Where the cover-up began. Yeah, (laughs) military-industrial complex. By the way, (laughs) I'm going to trademark that official birthplace of the vast right-wing conspiracy. Well, you know, we're getting to the last uh, uh, number of minutes, uh, less than ten minutes (laughs) in our show. I want to look at the future. I, I guess quickly we need to find out about next year because we'd like for people, and, and we'll be sure and promote it on the website and announcements as we get closer uh, to Roswell next year. But tell us what we should be expecting next year at Roswell and why people should go next year to your conference. Uh, like I said, I'm kind of scaling it back and avoiding some of the, the meteor topics of the people who are already interested in. And for the first time, I hope, trying to get, I guess you could say, the normal church pew sitter or pastor out there to to have the information available to realize that this is a spiritual phenomenon we're dealing with. So we're going to have um, a one-day conference and then a symposium the second day on Sunday with a lot of the people that have published books in this field answering a series of planned questions like, you know, if UF has landed on the White House lawn, 
or the president comes on and announces that UFOs and aliens are visiting us, someone from CNN sticks a camera or a microphone in front of your face. Mm. You've got three minutes. How are you going to answer that question uh, from a Christian perspective? What do you think is – how are you going to explain this event? And uh, the five lectures uh, that are planned so far, they include Joe Jordan giving his testimony of coming from a secular or even New Age perspective and finding out that alien abductions were stopped in the name of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. just as a deliverance or an exorcism. I'm putting together a new talk that um, I think will really help the church and the Christian judge this phenomenon, judge it by its fruit or examine Mm -hmm. its doctrines, called E.T.'s Message to Humanity, where I want to go through a lot of the abduction literature research, people who are contactees or have uh, participated in hypnosis, which I don't recommend, um, to recall some of their experiences and the actual teachings that these entities have told them. Because as we find out, um, it's very um, anti-Christ and anti-religion. They say things like aliens created life on Earth. They say that Jesus is really a hybrid. He's one of us. Mm. That your planet is about to go through massive Earth changes. Um, just like Matthew 24 says, you know, they're repeating what Jesus says, but putting their own spin on it. There's going to be earthquakes and cleansing, and you must join us New Age aliens in order to vibrate yourself to a higher plane so that you personally can survive the earth changes and reincarnate to a higher level. I want to do a talk that covers so much of what the aliens are saying to people that, you know, in their own words that the average church pastor or Christian will realize, well, this is so anti-Christ and anti-gospel mm-hmm. that it's got to fall under the Galatians 1.8. Mm-hmm. Whether we are an angel from heaven, uh, bring you any other gospel, let that one be accursed or anathema. Mm-hmm. I can see so why you, per- I, I can see why you liked my talk at the UN because it was sort of consistent exactly. with that thing. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. and that's why. And hey, let's plug Dr. Future. We'll be in Roswell speaking next that's true. year as well. That uh, <laughs> things have come full circle. Full so circle. the whole thing that changed your worldview or helped you, you know, now you're going to come back and hopefully help a lot of other people change their worldview. Four years later. Well, I'm a walking yeah. testimony to the ancient of days, and uh, I will be glad to make that uh, clear when I'm there. Cause, uh, um, Both yeah. the festival and the, the real ancient days. Well, that's, yeah. that's in the real ancient days. Uh, and I'm, I'm just honored that you would uh, consider me to be involved with any of those esteemed people. And uh, it's just a real privilege. And I tell you, all you Futurians out there, uh, we, we want to get a big convoy uh, heading out to Roswell. I cannot yeah, come think, on down. Get a <laughs> cannot think of a more enjoyable trip uh, just heading right over I-40, just hopping on I-40 and uh, setting the cruise control yeah, on, lean in. And uh, we will have a great We have airplanes that fly into Roswell now, too. Is that we right? Do, uh, Nashville nice. to Dallas, Dallas to Roswell. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. It used to be you had to go through Albuquerque and drive down. Do you remember that? Yes. That, well, that was a... Flying. Well, I tell you what, I recommend... I took a convertible down down through the desert out there, and that was almost unearthly, just the changes oh, in the course. temperature and environment going yeah. out to Roswell. It, it's just one of those things that's hard to explain. Go see the pictures at futurequake.com, and uh, you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. In closing, we've just got basically a minute or two here. Any mm-hmm. final words? I, I, I want you to come back and join us later to just focus on some of these themes. Maybe after we have the big spaceships appear over uh, – the southeast here on October 14th or something. Uh, one of these one of these kind of things, we'd like for you to come in and just focus on a bit, and we'll get into the meat. But I wanted our listeners to be introduced to, to uh, the amazing guy Malone. 
and uh, know where they can find out more about you. Any last words in a minute or so of what we need to be doing as far as keeping our eyes on the skies or things we need to prepare ourselves for? I'm real concerned that people all over, Christian and I, are going to be taken in by signs from the sky, that they're going to be brought into a a, a massive delusion, a strong delusion, Hmm. as the New Testament says, um, that these ETs are here from other planets, that they're here to help us um, advance into a new age that denies Christ and denies just any notion of what we know of biblical religion. So even those people keeping their eyes on the sky, I'm just going to tell you, Jesus said, um, do not be deceived. I've told you ahead of time. And, and they need to study your DVDs so they can be prepared. And I know you won't say I told you so, but you will be providing the information that they will be able to interpret what they see through the light of Scripture and be prepared. And then they will have a mission to help instruct the people around them. Uh, they may yep. be only the one or two in their congregation at church. Everyone else, like they say in the, in the last days, hearts, men's hearts will fail them. And you'll see some uninformed people in the church when they see these birth pangs coming. And uh, they're going to have to be there to explain a lot of this stuff. And uh, I think this 2009 conference, and it's July 4th and 5th, we didn't mm-hmm. mention ancientofdays.net. That's where all that's located. Okay. But the, the 2009 conference, I think, will actually empower that one or two people, that remnant that you spoke of, right. to actually say, here's some good lectures, here's a DVD, watch this, and then I think everyone in the in the church will have the common sense to get Oh, this is all deception. <laughs> and get, get started. Well, um, in closing, give us again the links to to get the DVDs, to, to keep aware of uh, your radio show, and also the uh, H.O. Today's conference coming up. AlienStranger.com has a bio, uh, how I got into this. You can read the book, Come Sail Away, online for free. It's linked from there. The conferences, ancientofdays.net, are linked from AlienStranger.com as well as uh, the radio program that I do and even the official or the uh, schedule for the Roswell UFO Festival for anybody that thinks they want to come down next July. Okay. Cool. All, all right. And we're going to put links uh, to, to your site at futurequake.com if that's okay. And, uh, oh, absolutely. P- please encourage all your uh, gazillions of listeners you have to come hear your interview over here at Future Quake. And, uh, you know, if, if they're not listening to your show at any one particular time, they're always welcome to uh, pop over to futurequake.com and catch your shows over here. I think they'll find a, a kindred spirit over here. <laughs> For good or bad. For good or bad, that's right. <laughs> Either we keep good company together or bad company, one way or the other. But uh, we're all in this together. And I, I just salute you, uh, Brother Guy. I salute yeah. your service for the Lord, uh, your your willingness to sort of step out in lonely territory and be a leader. And uh, that's what you are a leader. And I'm excited to be associated with you and see what the future has to offer you because I know the Lord is not done with you yet. And he's just put you in a, in a main position. I wouldn't be surprised to see Congressman Malone from New Mexico one of these days. Oh, there you go. Uh, and the one who's actually putting oh. the... <laughs> put, oh, put yeah, I'm either going to get run out of town with torches or I'll be mayor. I haven't, well, don't know there's, a, there's a fine line between the two, uh, guy. <laughs> well, brother guy, we've got to run, but thank you so much. I appreciate your uh, time spent with us. You're welcome anytime. And in between your extremely busy show and your other ministries you have, uh, we'd love for you to come back either for a, a long or short period and update us what's going on out at Ground Zero where you are. Right on. I appreciate it, man. This has been a fantastic interview and always good talking to you. It's been too long, brother. Yeah, yeah. well, God bless you, and we'll be in touch with you soon. Nothing can change the shape of things. Nothing can change the shape of things to come.
Welcome back to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom Bionic. And it's Friday, and that means it's time for, I always quiz you, lunch. No, no. we already had lunch. Tomorrow's Tremors, or today's review of the, today's review of the Future's News. All right. And we've got lots of stuff to talk about. <laughs> we got more stuff to talk stuff to talk about than we have time. Yeah. So why don't you just go? Why don't you get you started? You want to jump right into jump it? Jump right in. Okay. Well, you want to st- stir up the hornet's nest right off the bat? Tell you what, I got my baseball bat. Let's just take no, a good swing at it. No, you do a story first because right. I'm going to do two in a row. All right. That's so, right. We sorry, ladies and gentlemen. This. Yeah. Not that we have time to arrange this beforehand. Yeah. So let's just jump right into the news. Give us a good story here. All right. Uh, Angl- Anglicans apologize to Darwin. Nice. Great. Awesome. Some say the Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, is making a monkey of himself. Uh, by the way, that's from World, apology to World Charles Daily. Darwin. Yes, it is. I'm sorry to mean to interrupt. It's we okay. We give our source. But, but you don't give your source all the time. Well, point it out. All right. Well, from now on, I'm not letting you fall. Sorry. It's always. You better have new sources uh, every single time. Uh, I think I got Tom upset. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so the Archbishop, Bishop, Bishop, you got me all flustered. I know. Some say the Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, is making a monkey of himself with a half-baked apology to Charles Darwin for misunderstanding the author of Origin of Species 126 years after his death. Okay. Nevertheless, that's just what the Church of England plans to do today. Uh, to make, And they're making an act of contrition to the godfather of evolution. Well, that's weird. Mm-hmm. The church is also eager to counter the view I'm that I'm sure it's he'll appreciate that wherever he is today. Dead 200 years and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Official and in the, what Sheol, would you guess, or Hades? Well, maybe. Well, let's hope Fair he made good. a deathbed yeah. confession. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, officials of the church said senior bishops wanted to atone for the vilification heaped on Darwin by their predecessors. All right. Well, at least. I think mm-hmm. it'd be cooler if they just apologized to the godfather of soul instead of the godfather of evolution. James Brown Yow! was sorry for not, you know. Doing, well, he feels good, all right. Yeah, yeah. With the big payback. He knew that he would. Okay. Yeah. Charles Darwin, 200 years ago, 200 years from your birth in 1809, the Church of England owes you an apology for misunderstanding you, and by getting your first reaction wrong, encouraging others to misunderstand you still, says the statement. But the struggle of your reputation is not over yet, and the problem is not just your religious opponents, but those who falsely claim you in support of their own interests. The statement is written by Reverend Dr. Malcolm Brown, the Director of Mission and Public Affairs to the Archbishop's Council, headed by Williams. People and institutions make mistakes, and Christian people and churches are no exception. When a big new idea emerges that changes the way people look at the world, it's easy to feel that every old idea, every certainty is under attack and then to do battle against the new insights. The church made that mistake with Galileo's astronomy and has since realized its error. Some church, some church people did, did it again in the 1860s with Charles, Darwin theory, Charles Darwin's theory of natural selection. So it is important to think again about Darwin's impact on religious thinking then and now. To that I would say, it's my understanding that Darwin's family and uh, Westwood's family and um, Huxley and there was another gentleman there that was a big mm-hmm. that was big in this. They all decided that because they understood Darwinism and nobody else did, their genes were actually great, and so they started right. interbreeding together, right? And right. they only could marry within their families, the right. four families, and within two generations, 80% of the kids were born with severe handicaps. And that's what eugenics gives you. Yes. While at the same time. 
what what uh, our dear friend Darwin here provided was the ground rules for basically the eugenics effort that Hitler did. He oh, built yeah. it on the shoulders of Darwin well, in our own country. And yeah, eugenics to be fair, very popular you know, in, the in the 30s, 20s. that was, well, uh, okay. They 20s. funded, yeah. I understand the Ford Foundation funded Hitler and his work in eugenics. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's just thanking him for all those great contributions to society. Yeah, killing people that weren't uh, morally, survival quote, of unquote, fittest. Yeah, morally as high a standard as the people right. with the needles and the chemicals. Right. Right. Nice. Nice. I suggest everyone go to Documentary Night and see Megiddo 2. Yes. To understand this is talked about. Yeah. Uh, at the Will this uh, be anchor. aired? Will this be aired during that time or no? Um, we're going to be close on that. If okay. not, get it. All right. It's available. Yes. Andrew Darwin, a great grandson of the eminent scientist, said he was bemused by the apology, which seemed pointless. Well, boy, that's intelligent. Why bother? He said, when an apology is made about after 200 years, it's not so much. To right or wrong, but to make the person of the organization making the apology feel better. And the first first yeah. truth of the whole, yeah, the whole article. Yeah, first thing. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you know, a story like that makes me just want to rent my clothes. It's set in sackcloth and ashes. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. You know. I mean, what else are they going to embrace Molech next? Is they going to bring an Asherah pole and set up in church? Well, at this point, nothing would surprise yeah. me. I mean, embrace something so godless oh, sure. as that. And, sure. and, and against the teachings of the... Now, you know, if you want to have debates on how old the earth is and understanding the true understanding of Genesis and stuff, I'm a pretty open-minded guy. Mm-hmm. As long as our final end point is the Bible is a faithful account. Mm-hmm. And we're only limited by our, you know, our understanding and grasping it. Mm-hmm. But something like that is definitively atheistic in nature. Well, sure, but There's I mean, no you can you can look at outside of the United States, you can look a lot of great things. The Catholic Church has the uh, the Temple of Bones there in Italy, made from the bones of all sorts of people. It's totally satanic looking. Wow, and I've never even seen that in a uh, AAA book. Yeah, for well, you got to get the, you got to get the AAA Italy book. You know, the, the first temp- page says, "Drive to the New York Harbor." Okay. You know. The Temple of Bones, <laughs> is that what it's called? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's the whole temple is made entirely out of human bones. <laughs> like yeah, way to worship, worship the Lord. Place. Yeah, yeah. way to worship the Lord. You know, human Paul bones. Pot would really enjoy that. The Khmer Rouge. Well, you know, uh this big new Brzezinski, yeah. the uh foreign policy advisor to uh Barack Obama. Uh, had said in words he supported Pol Pot by yeah. funneling American funds to the Chinese, who then yeah. gave them to Pol Pot to get the ball rolling there in, in the. In a big Cambodia. member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Big member of the Council on Foreign. That's right. what you get with Council on Foreign Relations well, type people. That's a ideal lead-in to the next story. Well, what are you going to do? Well, um, there is a gentleman. And by the way, you know we've talked here several times about the political season we're under. We're coming up right here mm-hmm. to the very end. We've had major debates. We we are out there on the edge beyond the rank and file evangelicals in that we are highly suspicious of McCain, basically just on his record yeah. and what he says. That's all we mm-hmm. have to go on is his, is uh, his track record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we have raised a lot of suspicions as well as a lot of our guests. Well, he did, we got heat he did, from it sometimes from people, but not so much our yeah. listeners on the show. Well, he did contact – he did cop to a flying a plane intoxicated. Well, and being a serial uh, – uh, Sure. Adulterer. Sure. Uh, but, you know, he's our, our morals champion. But anyway, regardless of that, 
Um, we, we have tried to get a number of people on. And in fact, one of them who we've not aired yet, but will be, it's a great big name, someone who has written a, an earth-shattering book on the subject that we're going to have on our show very soon. It's already been recorded. We're just waiting to program it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're trying to get some big-name people who can try to explain um, why the evangelical leadership is just pushing so hard mm-hmm. for uh, McCain and for this whole dominionist idea of conquering yeah. the world for, why, for democracy. Why are we, why are we throwing our vote away, in a sense, with these people who undermine... What we believe. That's right. Yes. That's, or at least what you and I believe, at yes. least, and a lot of our listeners. And we mm-hmm. get lots of emails from people mm-hmm. saying, who is this Council on National Policy, this mysterious group that's involved? Well, we'd like to know, too. What's, we're, and it's we're hard trying to, to get to anything, the bottom of it. anything out about them. Yeah. Really. And so I, I started the process of trying to invite some of these big-name people on our show. And one of the people I invited was uh, Dr. Richard Land, who uh, is the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, of the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm-hmm. Extremely high profile. You'll see him anywhere on TV, the Colbert Report, uh, major news shows. He is really the media arm, de facto media arm, as it's come out of the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest names in evangelical circles of arguing. And, in fact, their, their own group talks about it's a public policy group. It's sort of a euphemism for political arm. Well, uh, is, that, is that allowed under 5013C? It's a good question. It's a good question if it is or not. Mm. Uh, but uh, they are pushing a certain political platform under the guise of a uh, religious group. And I speak, uh, and I'll, I'll confess to you here, uh, I, I, until just recently, a couple years ago, I was a Southern Baptist practicing my whole life. I love my fellow Southern Baptist people. Uh, I've had good Bible teaching in the past. I'll say in the past at churches like that. Good pastors, and uh, by and large, the rank and file are very wonderful Bible-believing people that I love and are dear friends mm-hmm. and brothers and sisters in the Lord. However, I'm starting to have questions with a lot of our evangelical leadership, mm-hmm. and uh, these folks are no exception. And p- particularly, uh, I- I'll just say questions that, that I'd like to address before I draw conclusions. Mm-hmm. But i got a few things I just want to share real quick because, um, and I don't think I'm being out of turn here because this, is, this has already occurred, and uh, I certainly... Uh, uh, offer Dr. Land or a representative to come on our show that the the carpet's out because I invited them r- recently to be on our show, Dr. Land. Mm-hmm. Uh, it appeared from his organizer that it was all going to work out just fine and they were going to be on very soon. Uh, we were just getting details on the day and the time and things. Mm-hmm. Everything looked good. For some reason, after some time, there was an about face and they just said, uh, we're going to take a pass on being on your show. Now, I can't say whether it was just scheduling conflict, although there was no willingness. I asked for an alternative date, never got an alternative date. Mm-hmm. There was no willingness to reschedule it. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that basically they have real busy you know, people to be with, so evidently we're too low tier, even though we're in Oh, they said, they said we're... Well, I mean, they got there's only great. so much of it, and, I, and there's a little bit I understand of that, but the message came out, we're down the list. Yeah. I don't know if they heard our show in the period of time, and that may have changed their mind. I really don't know, and I'd love to have them on the show to explain it, because I want to be fair and reasonable. But since we can't have Dr. Land on, and I wanted to talk about uh, some of the things he's done since he's been really big in the news lately, mm-hmm. at least I thought I could do is read uh, something that he wrote yeah. and have a little discussion about it, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, they also have something called the uh, Rinsed Research Institute of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a think tank, evangelical think tank. Uh, he's been the president of this Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission since 1988. Uh, he also hosts several radio shows. One of them's called Richard Land Live. You can go check it out at richardlandlive.com. 
but he's very, very high profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, here was something he posted uh, through the Baptist Press yep. and was circulated through the press just recently uh, about voting. And uh, and actually, this was before we had really down-selected our um, candidates. This was prior to that period of time. Okay. Um, this is out of Nashville, Tennessee. This is Dr. Land writing. He says, Pastors and Christian leaders have a responsibility to teach the whole counsel of God, as the Apostle Paul says, in taking leave of the Ephesian pastors. I de- declare to you today that I am into the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. This responsibility would include talking about what it means to be salt and light in the culture and about where the Bible stands on issues challenging our society, such as contending for the sanctity of human life from conception to natural death and everywhere in between, the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman, racial equality, racial reconciliation, and the perversion and degradation of human sexuality. Uh, In pastoral leadership in the church, one must make sure God's people understand what the Bible has to say about these issues in season and out of season. Uh, and so anyway, I'm going to skip over some of these things just because of time. Uh, but just a couple points I'm making. I'm not trying to, uh, skip over things I don't want to share with about him. It's just for time. But if anybody wants the full information, I can, I can put the link up if they need it. Mm-hmm. Um, it says encouraging members to register to vote and then urging them to become informed voters is clearly within the purview of the faith community. Uh, really? well, that's, that's what it says. Okay. And, uh, it says determining candidate standards on moral issues should be a primary consideration. Determining how the candidate's policy positions will benefit an individual personally, i.e. tax policies, should always be a secondary consideration. Hmm. Now, I think it, it could be debatable on whether uh, how, how the state handles taxation could or could not be a moral issue, whether they use tax to uh, another form of I'd tyranny. Like to, I'd like to see how people. he explains that. That's an interesting... Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to get the benefit that. of the doubt as okay. he's talking about things like gay marriage and abortion and stuff sure. like that versus but, economic but we have, issues. But what we have here is uh, a complete a complete mess on our hands financially. Well, it's so ironic this week where we've had total manipulation of our government and yeah. the stock market, and there have people who have lost their shirt not because mm-hmm. they they were not wise and knew with the economy, it's because they. They messed with the with the mm-hmm. whole game, the whole economics this week artificially, and there are losers. There's not all winners in that situation. Yeah, sure. There are well, losers in what the government did. You know, and like with Russia, with, with the Russian stock market dropping 60%, or maybe it dropped to 60%. 60 was the big number. I haven't looked at it. But they closed it down the whole week. What happens if, because of tax policies, uh, the whole the whole underpinning of the Russian economy comes unglued, and then you have, you know, anarchy or civil war? Right. You know. Right. Then that statement, uh, that statement doesn't ring true. Yeah, they're not disconnected. In in our opinion. Well, let me let me move on here. It says, uh, uh, even with all this preparation, Christian voters voters may face an extremely difficult ethical dilemma. What if the candidates do not present clear and complete distinctions amongst themselves, and what if the choices voters make have unintended consequences? Uh, In most ethical systems, if voters have to choose between a candidate they agree with on moral issues 20% of the time and a candidate with whom they have no agreement on those issues, they would choose uh, not to vote or they would choose to support the lesser of two evils, which he calls a hierarchical system. Uh, But the more complicated scenario is one in which voters with a particular worldview are facing a decision about which candidate to support in a field where, now follow his thing here, there is candidate Baker, with whom the voters have 100% agreement on moral issues, mm-hmm. candidate Jones, with whom they have 80% agreement on moral issues, and candidate Smith, with whom they have 10% agreement. Uh, this does not provide a clear choice between these two candidates. 
uh, unless you you believe, you know, in absolutes in morality, that the, the only choice is the hundred percent. I don't get what he's trying to say. Oh well, let me show you right. where it's going here. Okay. Um, now, in fact, the candidate with the the voter has the most in common with candidate Baker, the one that hundred percent agreement on moral issues, may be the weakest candidate across all voting blocks. Okay, so you have a scenario in which the voters are faced with supporting a candidate they agree with 100% of the time, while fully recognizing that in supporting candidate Baker, they will help ensure the success of another candidate they agree with on moral issues only 10% of the time, candidate Smith, and the defeat of the candidate they agree with 80% of the time, candidate Jones, as well as their first choice. L- l- let me just get the hypotheticals and get where the rubber meets the road. What, what, what he's saying in real world is that l- let's, let's say... Um, they're against Democrats, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, you've got a um, McCain, who you you agree with on eighty percent of stuff, mm-hmm. but then you have another candidate uh, that you agree with on a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, but you shouldn't vote for the candidate that you agree with a hundred percent of the time. You should look over basically the other stuff. Well, that's this crazy. Is what he is proposing. That's that's crazy. What you're saying is, you should vote for evil. Uh, well, yeah. Take that. That's reading. all he's saying. Is, okay. is there, there are times when we should vote for evil. Okay. And so they say if they know this and still vote for Candidate Baker, the the 100% guy, mm-hmm. do they become morally responsible, at least in part, for Candidate Smith's win? Uh, in the general election that follows, voters will be faced with a grim choice of not voting. Uh, in such a hypothetical scenario, if they choose to vote for Candidate Jones in the primary, are they choosing the lesser evil or the lesser good? Uh, is it more moral to choose pres- uh, prudentially to vote for the candidate who agrees with them 80% of the time, knowing the support will ensure the candidate's victory, uh, thus giving the choice a nation a choice between someone they agree with 80% and one they don't at all. He says, uh, now here's, here's where we're getting to. Most ethical systems contend that a person has a responsibility to take expected, even if unintended, consequences into account. Here is the question. Here's what he says. All right. Borrowing from the philosopher Voltaire. Wasn't he an atheist? Uh, he was the most anti-Christian atheist probably in history. Um, wow. Very, very cynical Interesting atheist. to see him in a... He's in using him as, a, as an example to argue. Does a person make the correct, or make the perfect, Candidate Baker, the enemy of the good, and thus ensure the least desirable outcome? This is sounding very much like Machiavellianism, and yeah. pragmatism, and uh, Hegelian dialectic. Now, what, what they've said... What was this is, guy educated? Uh, he has an Oxford degree. Oh, well... Um, there you have it. Uh, so, anyway, uh, do we choose the best candidate, knowing that this result may result in the ultimate triumph of the greater evil? Uh, evidently, because when people take moral stands, God is completely incapable of blessing their sure. stand, according to this premise, and evil will well, win. Well, and, and what it seems to be saying is that uh, God has thusly taken his hand off of things, and we need to, we need to uh, circumvent the law and stuff and not worry about ethics and, you know, sort of build his kingdom in the here and now. Yeah, uh, i.e. dominionism. Uh, you could look at it that way, yeah. This is, uh, <laughs> it's nuts. Basically, look at it in the Bible, historical case. Um, that would have made Gideon to be a fool, to get rid of all those people and do explicitly what God says. Sure, or David. Why should you know? he have gotten other people around him to fight rather than, than to, you know, yeah. do it on what he understood. What, why would the Israelites just go rely on Egypt to be their partner all the time well, to defeat evil rather than rely on God's Well, just way think what would have happened if we had somebody big and strong rather than David to defeat Goliath, you know? 
I think that could And that's be, the motive. I know. That's nuts. That's the motive. That's like, uh, perhaps, well, I don't mean no. to be the dead horse. I just think this is important. No, If you got important. just a moment, let me read the response to Joseph Farah of World Net Daily, mm-hmm. another big name who has broken ranks, has written this book called None of the Above, and is getting tremendous heat, been told he's unbiblical because he doesn't suggest uh, voting uh, he doesn't. for them. So let, let me just see what he says. He says, uh, I don't know. yeah, uh, Joseph Farron, Well Net Daily, says, uh, in my book, Taking America Back, uh, I challenged Americans to consider whether a national habit of voting for the lesser of two evils was always the best thing to do. I'm glad the rest of the nation is finally starting the much-needed debate on this issue. Uh, uh, it says, uh, I admit I have yielded to the temptation to deviate from my own policy on one occasion in 2004, by then, we knew George Bush had little understanding and respect for the Constitution, mm-hmm. but in a defensive strategy to avoid the election of outright traitor to a country, John Kerry, I wisely or unwisely decided to vote for Bush's reelection. Well, he has a lot of uh, company uh, in that. Yeah. He says, what can I say? I'm human. I'm a sinner. I live in a fallen world. I'm still not sure I acted any different. I would have done in 2004 knowing the threat. But he says, here's the debate. Richard Land, president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Con- Commission, has joined the fray, sounding off in a Baptist press column, the one I just read, mm-hmm. about we as Christians uh, need to be willing to overlook the evil within candidates and actually have a moral obligation to make utilitarian compromises and vote only for those uh, who are electable. Uh, Land is weighing in on an issue uh, that arose recently with James Dobson, a focus on the family, Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council, and representatives of other Christian groups got together in Salt Lake City, pledging not to support a Republican nominee who was not pro-life. Uh, the first, now first you must understand who Richard Land is and why he's writing what he's writing. Uh, Land is playing John the Baptist for presidential candidate Fred Thompson. This is back before they had, yeah. you know, sh- shaken out. Uh, who has demonstrated little interest in vigorously pursuing evangelical votes. Uh, they're both here in Tennessee. Well, so did McCain, and he got the uh, he got the nomination. Right, there, I Thompson think. was a no, uh, Wells, I think McCain was mm-hmm. a no-show at the Values Voter debate in Fort Lauderdale, uh, the first one after he held his candidacy. Um, he um, he is playing the lone wolf, that is Thompson, without any accountability for his record or worldview. Land doesn't mention Thompson by name in his piece, but that's who it's about, and obviously it applies to McCain right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the trap laid by land. Determining candidate stat, uh, stances on moral issues should be a primary consideration. Determining how the candidate's policy positions will benefit an individual personally should always be secondary. Notice what's missing. Any mention of the Constitution and the candidate's submission to it. No mention there. Uh, he makes a distinction between moral issues and tax policies. Let me explain. This is... Uh, um, uh, World Net Daily uh, speaking, Joseph Farah, he says, let me explain. Tax policy is a moral issue. It is immoral to steal. Uh, and uh, let's see. Let me, where I lost it. When the government uses force to take money from one person and give it to another, that's the moral equivalent of theft. Well, that's a very, that's a very uh, interesting statement given, given the fact that we've just bailed out a bunch of people for bad investments right. in the stock market as of... Wednesday, I guess. Right, right. And he says here that Richard Land says we should consult the Bible for answers to questions. He says, Mm -hmm. I agree, but I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says we should embrace a little bit of evil to avoid a greater evil. Uh, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where you are to embrace a little bit of leaven uh, or to compromise with sin. You see where this thinking leads. It leads to gutless choices, a slow death, uh, inexorably to a loss of freedom, a slippery slope of defeat and tyranny. The kind of moral relativism Christians should avoid. Well, what scares me, the the thing that I listen to this, and I think he's, I think I think Fair is right. You know, uh, why isn't this being talked about more? Right. 
How come we're the only people that talk about Why this? Why is it? Why is it? I'll, I'll wrap up here. I know yeah. we're at the end of the show here. Yeah. Uh, when Judge Roy Moore was taking a stand for the Constitution, um, uh, Richard Land was publicly challenging Moore, explaining he disagreed with his tactics and strategy. Uh, and uh, it sounds to me like Richard Land is more comfortable with the political status quo than standing up for truth, justice, and morality. Uh, and it says... Uh, he only saw one time where they had really a candidate we'd like to see a clear choice, and it was in Ronald Reagan. He says there's two ways we'll see that again. Um, one, if uh, political leaders like Jimmy Carter lead us into the wilderness, then Americans will clamor for these answers. Uh, let me just uh, uh, finish up here. Um, I think people get the point here right now. By the way, you and I were just doing some quick looking before the show. Mm-hmm. It appears by his own words on Richard yeah. Land Answers. He's openly admitted it. He is a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Great. And was uh, voted in 2006 yeah. on it. Well, they believe in one world government, so that's very interesting. That, All right. So you know. let me, I've got just a few seconds. If you would like to see Richard Land come on our show or answer some questions about the Council on National Policy and things he's doing, you can call him on his show, Richard Land Live, Saturdays from 11 to 2 Central Time. At 888-324-8456, or you can leave a voicemail at 888-324-8456, the same number, wow. any other time. Or you can call uh, his publicist, Jill Martin, at 615-762-8401. Tell him you'd like to see him on Future Quake, and we got to go. All right, let's get out of here. Okay. Uh, Murph, Way to kick the hornet's nest, man. Sorry I went so late. <laughs> sorry about that. And I'll tell them how they can get a hold of us. Yeah. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. Great. We're back. Uh, we got to say goodbye. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go That's so okay. long. I That's just okay. thought that was important. That was good. It was uh, you, you wanted to kick the hornet nest? You kicked it, man. Yeah. Well, I'm I, sure we'll, we'll I didn't, be here. I don't have my bee suit, though. I don't. God bless you, uh, yeah. f- folks. Thank you for your faithfulness. we got yeah. lots of emails to read next time. Please pray for us after that. Big news <laughs> going on. Uh, and until Monday, we hope your future is very bright. Sayonara. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake.